and thank you for joining us one more time. Today we're going to be talking about the first book of Samuel. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, I have been doing a lot of series about every book in the Bible. Can you believe it? We started from Genesis and we are working our way up. Now we're in the book of 1 Samuel. Let me share with you again and remind you over and over again. You probably, you're tired of hearing this. The Bible, the books of the Bible are connected to each other. So if you really want to understand the Bible, the reason why it looks easy for me is because it's like a, a, a God story and one book is connected to the other one. And if you learn what is before, you can make the connection to the next one. God's story is still very much the same. He created the planet Earth for two primary reasons. To have fellowship with mankind. And also, believe it or not, to allow man to dominate and to exercise dominion and take care of this planet Earth. Where things begin to fall apart because man could not be trusted. The first man he tried was Adam. It didn't work out. He failed. Then God, God never give up. By the way, that's one lesson you need to learn up front about the word of God. God would never give up on you or me. I don't know about you. I've done some things that is disappointing to God. But guess what? He never gave up on me. That's why I'm still here. God did not give up on humanity. When Adam failed, he tried Noah. You remember Noah in the boat? Noah was doing well. After a while, he got into drinking, you know. Again, he failed. Then God tried Abraham. Then God tried Isaac. Then he tried Jacob. Then he tried to use one of the children of Jacob. Jacob had 12 children. He used one of them, Joseph. God always looked for somebody he can use. And then the people of God, they end up, all of the people of Israel, they end up in Egypt. They became slaves. And God brought them out. Then he raised another man by the name Moses. They are all exodus out of Egypt now. They are free. And then God encountered them in the wilderness in a place called Mansanai. You recall this story. I've shared this with you several times. And God covenant with them. They have a book, a covenant to, to go by. Again, they didn't quite make it. Then God, Moses didn't make it. Then God raised up another man, Joshua. And they wandered in the wilderness. Eventually, they made it to the promised land. Hallelujah. You would think, okay, now that they made the journey, all they need to do now is simply follow the guidelines, obey the covenant on their part, and God on his part is committed to bless them. 
By the way, the same is true for you and me today. Being blessed is really simple. Obedience to God's word, obedience to God's ordinance, obedience to God's command will always bring you blessings. My obedience to God will cause me to be blessed. If you ever see me not blessed, the only person to blame is Joshua Dara. There's no reason for anyone, listen to me, there's no reason for you not to be blessed. The blessings of the Lord, the Bible says, will make you rich and add no sorrow to it. That's Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 put it this way. You want to know how you're going to be blessed? You want to know how you're going to be blessed in this great country? The Bible says, if you're willing and if you're obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Believe me when I tell you, there's plenty of good right where you are. Some of you watching from Africa, some of you watching from Europe, some of you watching from Philippines and Asia, I know, I've been checking the records. I'm grateful. Right where you are, you don't have to be in the United States to be blessed. God can bless you right at that location. The secret to it, my friend, is obedience. I wish I'd learned this, this truth a little earlier. I'd probably be so blessed now, it would dazzle the mind of human beings. I want you to be blessed. Now that we know it, let's do it. The people of Israel got to the promised land. All they need to do, obey God and be blessed. Guess what? They didn't. God used several judges. There were six different judges. A different time, 350 years. They was, it was chaos. They were killing each other committing sin, and they were going down and down and down and down. Until we get to this first book of Samuel. In this first book of Samuel, there are three main actors. How many did I say? <laughs> I just want to make sure you're listening, man. <laughs> you know, I'm a college professor. I can't help myself. I'm always in teaching mode. There are three main actors. Number one, Samuel. Number two, King Saul. Number three, King David. That's the whole book in a nutshell. Prophet Samuel, King Saul, King David. Now let me break it down how each of them get in the picture. The first chapter 1 through chapter 8, God introduced these characters one by one through a story. The first story you need to know is about a lady by the name Hannah. Hannah is the wife of a gentleman, Elkanah, and Elkanah has two wives. Well, I'm not going to even mess with that because... We might be here all day. But this dude has two wives. And Hannah is one of the wives. There's another woman by the name Pelina. 
So these two wives living with this man, one of the wives, Pelina, has children. Hannah doesn't have a child. In fact, the Bible says she was barren. So the first thing you're going to see, I'm trying to tell you how Samuel, Prophet Samuel, the first main character, get in the picture. This woman, Hannah, went to church, and she began to really pour her heart out. She was going through so much pain, so much rejection. So much ridicule. Back then, if you don't have a child as a woman, you just. So her, her colleague, Pelina, was making fun of her. Look at you. You're supposed to be a wife. You have no child. Have you ever been in a situation where people laugh at you? Maybe not. I'm happy for you. But I've been there. I've been in a situation that you feel you're not even welcome. I've been in a situation where you know people who are loving with you, they're actually loving at you. People will stab you in the back. It can be very painful. Hannah was hurt. It's bad enough that you're in trouble. She's dealing with the problem of barrenness. But then to deal with all the ridicule is a bad combination. Guess what she did? That's what you and I need to do. She went to church. <laughs> I can preach on that. You need to go to church. <laughs> she went to church and she was pouring her heart out to God. You see, going to church is not about seeing people Fellowship is good, but it's not always about that. Singing is good. It's not always about that. Preaching is good. It's not always about that. Sometimes you go to church to, to be in the presence of God. I'm not saying you have to be in a church to, to, to be able to experience God. But when you purpose it in your heart, you wake up in the morning, you dressed up. You get in the car. You drove yourself. Or, or whether somebody drove you, don't matter. And you have a clear purpose. I'm going to church. Not to me, Annie Sue. Not to me, Brother Josh. Not, no, 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 no. I don't have time for foolishness today. I want to have an encounter with God. She got to church that day. She went to the altar and she was crying her heart out. Lord, help me. I need a child. She also made a vow to the Lord. Wow. I wish I had some time just to explain what that means, to make a vow. It's like you're making a serious commitment to God. Lord, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. I've had few vows in my life. I remember I made a vow when I was trying to come to America, and it was difficult to get a visa for me, because you have to have money, you have to get an admission, you have to pay for a whole year to the school. There's a lot of uh, red tape and run around, and I just didn't have none of that. And I told God, if you will help me, I commit my life to serve you for the rest of my life. And guess what? He did just that. I had no dime. 
I did not meet any requirement. And yet I show up at the American embassy. And they shook my hand. They didn't ask me one question. They gave me a visa. I couldn't even say it was such a beautiful interview. Or I was so, I was so eloquent. No, God did it all by himself. Wow. Hannah made a, a vow to the Lord. If you would try it, you'd be surprised. He told God, she told God, if you will give me a child, I will return that child to you. I will give her back, give that child back to you. And that's exactly what God did for her. Think about making a vow. Let me move on. While she was in the church crying her heart out to God, do you know that the pastor of that church thought she was drunk? There's a lesson there. Just because somebody is a preacher, that don't mean she's anointed. That don't mean he's anointed. That don't mean he sees in the spirit. That pastor missed it hands down. Can I tell you a little secret? <laughs> I know you, you think I'm anointed. Hey, I'm grateful. And the Lord has used me beyond my own imagination. And the best is yet to come for me in ministry. But let me tell you, every now and then, I missed it. Are you listening to me? That pastor, Reverend Eli, missed it. What do you do when you miss God? Just acknowledge it and turn around. <laughs> Anna explained to the pastor, I'm not drunk. You missed it, Red. I'm a woman pouring my heart to God, asking God to bless me. I'm barren. I'm asking God to give me a child. And that pastor, I just quickly, and that pastor told Hannah, I'm sorry. I thought you were drunk. Now that I know why you're here, by this time next year, God will grant you the desires of your heart. I want to take some time to pray with somebody right now. You know why Hannah was able to have that child? Number one, her faith in God. Number two, her spiritual warfare. Number three, her commitment, her vow. Number four, that cannot be ignored. Beside the faithfulness of God is the word of that pastor. I am in an office with my imperfect self, with all the ugliness or whatever people think about preachers. When a man or woman of God speak, God honors their word. My friend, if you're a pastor, listen to me. I beg you in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not because of you. It's not because you are so holy. God respect the office in which you occupy. Be careful that you don't curse people. If you curse them, they will be cursed. Be careful what you say. Because if you bless them, they will be blessed. That pastor say, Hannah, by this time next year, hallelujah. <laughs> Every now and then, I just get in that mood. I would look at my congregation. This is a true story. One time in my church, people were just dying all over the place. Every time I go to 
to television, I would hear somebody drop dead, somebody die, and I just couldn't take it anymore. Guess what I did? I declared over my church. I said, this year, nobody would die. And guess what? God honored it. I didn't say that to brag. I'm just letting you recognize the importance of the office. The centurion, the reason why he said to Jesus, just speak the word. You don't even have to come to my office. You don't, need, you don't have to come to my house. He understood the principle I'm sharing with you now. He was a man of authority. He, he lead many soldiers. He knows when he speaks to the soldiers, get up, stand up, salute, march, run. They better do it. That's why he knows the word of Jesus Christ matters. I'm saying to you, my friend, not just, I'm not just talking to the pastors listening to me, but even to lay people, members of the church. Don't take the word of your pastor lightly. Don't look at the man or the woman. Look at the office in which he's operating or she's operating. Look at the anointing upon his life or her life. Look at her own testimony, his own testimony. You see, if I say I'm going to give you a car, check out what I'm driving. If I say I'm going to heal your body, check out am I dwelling in sickness and disease. The office matter. That's why sometimes, can I be brutally honest with you? That's why sometimes it grieves me when, when the president of our country will say something or do something. He just, he just gets my attention. Nothing against him as a person. But the office in which you are matters. Let me get back in the Bible. Notice Hannah had a child, just like God promised. And Hannah wrote a song. I don't want you to miss that song. That song basically has three verses. Each of those verses is critical for your future. Listen. Have you ever seen some people be singing and really they're not making any sense? Just, just, just noise. The lyric of a song matters. Not just the beat, not just the sound, not just the harmony. Listen to the words, the lyrics. Hannah said, Lord, I thank you because you always humble the proud. Hear me good. You want to make it in life? Learn not to be a proud person. If there's one lesson I've learned in ministry, is to remove a spirit of pride in my life. A spirit of pride. It would destroy you. Listen to that woman's song. Verse number one. God humbles the proud. Period. Verse number two. He, he, she's not talking about herself now. You know the proud that, that she's talking about? The other woman, Miss Pelina, she was arrogant, she was proud. Guess what God did? God humbled her. Verse number two, Hannah said, God exalts 
the humble. Whoa. See, it's even rhyme. Verse number one rhyme with verse number two. I happen to be a musician. It's not just enough to be writing a poem or writing a song. You got to got to rhyme. Why am I telling you? You really want to go up? Learn the spirit of humility. Let me say this with utmost humility. I am who I am today because of humility. Humility will open doors of opportunity for you. Humility will take you from the basement of the house to the mansion, to the top. Embrace humility. Verse number three of that song is also very profound. Hannah said, God is working it out. Hallelujah. She's talking about herself because people, true singers, sing out of personal experience. They're not just going to be singing, Cook Franklin said this, or Donnie McClacken said this. That's what Donnie McClacken said. What do you say? <laughs> what is your song? Hallelujah. Hannah said, God is working things out. That's a testimony. Because while people are laughing at her, God was working things out. To cut the story short, she birthed Samuel, and she remembered her vow to the Lord. Guess what she did to that child? She went him to the Lord, and she gave him to the Lord. She literally took that child to the church and told the preacher, I'm giving this child to the Lord. So now Samuel, a young man, you remember I told you three characters, Samuel, Saul, David, now we see Samuel. That's how he get in the picture. And he's living in the church. Guess what he was doing in the church? He was cleaning. He mopped the floor and take care of the landscape, cut the grass, and light up all the candles. He was an altar boy. Oh, I can tell you the joy of serving the Lord. I remember for many years, I was carrying the bag of every preacher over me. I was a, what you call an armor bearer. I never thought one day that somebody would be carrying my bag. I wish I can write you a book on how to be great. Humility, service to others. The Bible says, if you're not faithful in that which belongs to other people, who on earth will give you true riches that belongs to you? I must admit, I didn't really have deep understanding of the Bible back then. I just knew it was the right thing to do. So I served all my pastors. In fact, I served for 23 years. Now I look back, I didn't realize it was a setup. Now I'm in a position that I hardly have to do anything. It's always somebody. Pastor, let me do this for you. Pastor, let me carry this for you. Pastor, I'll get it done for you. I did not know. <laughs> Hallelujah. Samuel was serving in the house of God. One day, God called him, Samuel. He didn't know what it means to be called. 
he thought the pastor of the church was calling him. So he went to the pastor. He said, Pastor, I heard you calling me. Here, here I am. Pastor said, no, son, I didn't call you. Go back to work. Go, go, go wash the dishes. Go, go clean and the choir stand. <laughs> and then God called him again, Samuel. He ran again to the pastor. Pastor, you just called me. I mean, that happens three times. Then it dawned on the pastor that it may be God that is calling that young man. So the pastor teach Samuel. The next time you hear that voice, that same voice, don't come to me. Answer and say, Lord, here am I. I can preach all day on that. Some of you are ministers of the gospel. Have you ever asked yourself, how did God call you? Did you hear a voice? Did you have a dream? Did you, I mean, what encounter? Before you put a big, a big chain with a cross on your neck, before you begin to wear all kinds of uniform and looking. <laughs> oh, goodness. What is your testimony that God Almighty has called you? Mm, let that sink in. Ladies and gentlemen, so Samuel is in the picture. Samuel was serving the Lord. And then you get to chapter, chapter 8. And something, I mean, there's some things that happen that are just amazing. Uh, you need to know during this period of time, Israel had a main enemy. They are called the Philistines. They fight Israel from time to time. So they raise the ugly head. They want to fight Israel again. And usually when there's time for war, they come to the preacher, the pastor. What do we do now? The pastor say, look, we got the Ark of the Covenant. All you need to do is just carry the Ark. And nobody mess with us when we have the presence of God. But guess what happened that war? Israel got their behind wood. They were defeated. And then... The two sons of the pastor died. Then, on that same day when the pastor got the report, he fell dead too. So the only person left in the church was Samuel. So Samuel became the prophet. Not just for that church, for the whole nation. Who oh, I can talk to you a long time on how God will prepare you and raise you up. Some of us, we're in a position we're in now because we don't even qualify. It's not because we're so smart. It's not because we're so holy, but the grace and mercy of God. I wish I can testify sometime. You see, this church that I'm pastoring, the name of my church is called Zion Hill. Will you believe that that church wrote me 24 years ago, no, we don't want you as our pastor. True story. I still have their letter. They're not mean. They're not being ugly to me. They were in the process of getting a new pastors, and they have two people ahead of me. They've, they've been through several candidates, and they've won it down to two people, Reverend Butler and Reverend Franklin. 
So those were the two runoffs. So that's why they wrote to me and say, look, Mr. Joshua, thumbs down. We don't want you. But isn't it amazing? The same church that gave me a thumbs down. Now I'm, I'm pastoring that church for 24 years. Now I'm the longest serving pastor in the history of the whole church. You know what I'm telling you? What God has for you is for you. Samuel came in as an altar boy. Samuel came in as nobody. He was cleaning and vacuuming the floor and doing odd jobs. Now he's the prophet to the whole nation. That's what God can do. I pray God will promote you. I pray God will exalt you. I pray that God will open doors of opportunity, not for you, not just for you, but for you and your children. I pray that God will elevate you in the name of Jesus Christ. Samuel is now prophet, and you would think everything will be rosy for the rest of his life. Here comes chapter 8, chapter 9. The people came to Samuel and they say, okay. You're a good pastor, you're a good prophet, but we need a king. We want to be just like other countries. Everybody around us got a king. We don't have a king. We, we have a preacher. That don't sound cool. We don't want God. We need a politician, somebody. Samuel, excuse my language, Samuel was pissed off. <laughs> Samuel was so mad. He said, man, what y'all talking about? God made me the prophet. This thing's working. So God, Samuel went to God, told God about it. God said, no, no, chill, calm down. What they're asking you, I know it's a, it's a low blow. I know it, they ain't right. They want a king, give them a king. And that's how Samuel, through the help of the Lord, anointed Saul. You remember I told you there are three main actors, Samuel, Saul, and David. Now, that's how Saul get in the picture. Saul, the Bible describes him as a tall person, as a good-looking brother, very eloquent, very charismatic, have a lot of promises. But guess what? He rose and he fell. By the way, I can, I can preach on that. Most of these characters, you know one thing they all have in common? They rise and they fall. They rise and they fall. You can pick any name from Adam to Noah to Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. You see, just follow the pattern to Moses, to Joshua, to all of the judges, to Samuel, even Samuel. And now we have King Saul. You know why King Saul fell so that you and I can learn for our own future? He was not a man of character. He had no integrity. And guess what else? He had no spirit to acknowledge it when he's wrong. 
Sounds like somebody I know now in power in America. When you're in a, in a position and you can't even acknowledge it when you're wrong, you have to blame everybody else for your mistake. You are destined to fail. Hey, don't turn me off. He had no character. He had no integrity. Sound like some, somebody I know. That's why God rejected him. He disobeyed God. He lied about it. God sent him to a war. He said, destroy everything. He did not obey God. Then when he was asked, did you do what God asked you to do? Oh, he said, yes, I did. No character. No manner. No integrity. And he refused to admit when he was wrong. So God sent prophet Samuel to go confront him, even though he had been winning battles, even though he was good looking, even though he was charismatic. His lack of character caused him to fall. Samuel confronted him and said, hey dude, you have been rejected as king. Hey dude, guess what it is? God has re replaced you. And then the Bible says, in the background, God is already arranging for another king. And that's David. But before I get to David, please let's learn one critical lesson. God is raising people up right and left. The problem is not God healing you. The problem is not God blessing you. The problem is not God making a way for you and me. The problem is, do we have the character to keep the blessing? The Bible says your gift will make room for you. But it is your character that will keep you in that room. Can I be honest with you? I've seen too many people rise up and fall. It grieves my heart. Don't be the next person. Pray for me also that that will not be my ending. Wouldn't it be sad to see God do so many things through your pastor and then for me to do stupid things and lose it all? So when I say pray for me, I really mean that from the bottom of my heart. I don't want to be a soul. He lost everything. It is a sad thing for God to anoint you, for God to give you an opportunity, and you messed it up. Character matters. So in the background, God arranged and found David. Now, the way God... David came into the scene. That's another profound psalm. I can talk about just that for the next 24 hours. But my technical staff are telling me I need to hurry up, you know. They have a way of giving me a sign. It was five minutes, three minutes, two minutes, shut up. <laughs> you would not believe what goes on. I'm blaming Brother Morris for that. He'd be messing with my mind. I have a story to tell you all. Now, so God anointed David. I do want you to know this about David. David 
was a nobody. Nobody knew his name. He was a shepherd boy. Even his own family was nobody. He had brothers, seven brothers, and his thumbs down. In fact, his own mom and dad don't think much of him. That's why David wrote in the book of Psalms, when my mama and my father forsake me, even then, God will raise me up. I'm telling you, this guy had no idea about being a leader or being a king. Yet, God chose him. You know why I'm telling you that? You are a candidate for God to use. I always say this, and people think I'm joking. If God can use me, the me you're looking at right now, there's hope for everybody. <laughs> there's hope for everybody. I didn't know how to be a pastor. I am not trained to be a pastor. I had no desire to pastor anybody. You know something, Ed? I hope I didn't get in trouble by this because some of my colleagues and other professors be watching me. You know, I work over there at Louisiana College. I am the dean of the School of Human Behavior. But guess what? I don't know how to be a dean. <laughs> I've never been a dean in my life. I was not trained for this thing. But you know, God has a way of taking you out of nothing and raising you up. I'm not saying that to put myself down. I'm saying that to encourage you. Don't let your circumstance, don't let your situation, don't let your condition intimidate you. When God get ready to bless you, no devil in hell can stop God. David was in the bush minding his own business. When the preacher came looking for a king, he was not even home. Hallelujah. Like I told you, to pastor this church, I was not even the runner off. <laughs> but look at God. David was not in the runner off. He was in the booth playing his, his harmonica. Jesus loved me, this I know. You see? But God, the Bible said, the oil of anointing did not flow in any of his brothers. The prophet had have to ask the parent, is there any other child? Because this one you put in the lineup, no anointing. Ah, they say we have one one other kid. It's a rookie, it's kind of a little unclean, kind of messed up, crazy out there in the wood, hanging out with the sheep. The preacher say, please send him. Go get him. And sure enough, to cut the story short. They brought David unclean, sweating, not dressed, not the best looking. And the pastor tried to pour the oil in the oil flow. Are you listening to me? That is my story. I am a David. Never pastor any church in my life. Don't even know what pastors do. Never trained to be a pastor. I can hardly even speak English. But look at me. Guess what I'm trying to tell you? God can use you. 
In fact, God wants to use you right now as I'm speaking to you. I speak life into your situation right now. I pray that God will use you mightily for his glory. Hallelujah. That's how David get into the scene. And David, you know how God will set you up for promotion? So if you're looking for God to promote you, look out for some event, some story, some happening. Something will happen that will propel you into your destiny. David one day was going to go bring some food to his brothers who were on the war front. He was not even qualified to be in the army. And then he ran into Goliath. The people were facing Goliath, and they noticed all of the soldiers of Israel. They were hiding in their foxhole. They were scared. And David said, huh, why are you all scared? This rascal, he's cursing the God of Israel. I'll go whoop his. <laughs> Guess what? His own brother said, come on, young man, shut up. You don't even know what you're talking about. But somehow, eventually, he talked them to allow him. And he went there and kicked Goliath behind. Boom, instantly, he became a star. You know what I'm trying to tell you? God will always use something, an event, uh, something that God will cause to happen that will launch you into your destiny. Look for it. In Jesus' name. Well, let me wrap this up. Uh, David not only become an instant star, David ended up being a general for King Saul. And then David was leading all the warfare. He was winning battle for King Saul. And he was not only winning, he was becoming very famous. Guess what that did to him? The king, King Saul, now became jealous of him. Now King Saul now trying to kill him. The very guy that saved the whole country. The very guy that is helping him win all this war. So David had to run for his life. That's when he ended up in the forest, in the wood, running from King Saul. And then the king was chasing him with his army. I can preach to you on that. Sometimes when God's anointing is upon your life, not everybody will be happy for you. Can I be brutally honest with you? Sometimes the very people you are called to help, sometimes they can turn out to be your worst enemy. The very people you're fighting for, the very people you're busting your behind for. David was fighting for King Saul. David was winning war for King Saul. David was protecting the kingdom of King Saul. And King Saul is trying to kill him. Oh, I wish I could testify something. <laughs> the pain of being called by God. I'll leave that for another day. Ladies and gentlemen, you know something else I noticed? While that king was trying to destroy David, the Bible said David had many times, many opportunities to kill that king. 
But guess what? David refused. In fact, one time, David got him so close. All the followers of David say, kill the rascal. Kill the son of... <laughs> David simply caught a piece of his cloth as evidence to show him, King, when you were sleeping and snoring, I could have killed you. I got you. But because God chose you, I would not dare touch you. There's a lesson there. Maybe you're in a position of calling. Maybe God has called you. You may be working in a store. You may be bagging groceries. Or you may be an ordinary cashier. Maybe you're a janitor. Maybe you're a school teacher. You may think it's no big deal. But it may be a calling upon your life. Do not retaliate against your enemies. Let God fight your battle. David will not kill the very person that's trying to kill him. Can I tell you a little secret about my ministry? Most of the people I give opportunity to, to come and preach here, they are my worst enemies. They've tried to hurt me. They've tried to destroy my ministry. And yet I turn around and bless them. Guess we are learning from First book of Samuel, David. The book of First Samuel is about character. What do you do about people who hate your gods? What do you do about people on your job who is working for you to be fired? How do you react when your name is being defamed? Let's learn from David. David did not fly off the handle. He remained a man of character. He remained humbled. And he remained a child of God. And guess what is unique about David? He trusted God. And that's why God elevated him. The book of 1 Samuel ended on this note. Saul went to war, and he got killed. And now David became officially the king of Israel. Think about it. You see how God will promote, promote you? You see how God will raise people up? You see how God will take a nobody and make that person a somebody? I pray that you and I will learn from that. What are the lessons? Remain humble. Don't allow a spirit of pride override you. Never accept any tragic condition. Believe God to bring you out. And allow God to promote you. And even when you know an enemy, don't retaliate. Let God fight your battle. The next time we're going to discuss about the second book of Samuel and then we'll talk at length about the reign of David. Again, let me invite you. If you need prayer today, maybe something I've been saying all evening affects you or touch your heart. There's a number under the screen. 
there are ministers of the gospel who are waiting to pray for you. Dial that number. Give them the opportunity to agree with you. Allow God to work out your situation. And believe me when I tell you, I know what it means to be down. I know what it means to have nothing. I know what it means to trust God. I know what it means for God to bring you out of nothing and make you a star. That's my prayer for you. Thank you for watching today. I'll see you the next time. God bless you.